Good morning. I am glad to be here with you. Uh, if I sound a little different or if you hear me sniff or cough, I'm, I'm getting over some sickness, so bear with me with that. Uh, over the past two weeks, we've been discussing the realities of Satan. And it's an important concept, some, some important things we need to understand. Because he's our enemy and we need, to, we need to know him. We need to know his tactics, know what he's up to, what his limitations are, and exactly what God teaches us about him. So that we don't have a picture of something far worse than he really is and that we don't treat him as though he's a little puffball. Uh, because he's certainly not that. We talked about what he's not. He's not deity. He's not God. Satan is a created being. He's limited by time and space. He's got limited knowledge and power concerning God's creation. And then we talked about what he is. He is a cunning and crafting spiritual enemy whose only desire is to see you and me willingly reject God and jump into the fires of hell. And he's willing to tell you any lie and offer you any sin if it means you'll leave God's side. That's what he wants, and that's what he is. Those two lessons have laid a foundation to help us come into this final lesson with the right mindset about our enemy. We've laid aside our misconceptions about Satan, and now we understand what type of enemy we face and what his goals are. And this morning our question is, how do we fight him? How do we fight Satan? How do we fight an enemy like that? The Scriptures haven't been silent on this issue. God's given us the tools to fight against and defeat the plans of the devil against us. But if we're to succeed in our fight against the devil, we need to have some understandings about us, about the battle we're fighting, about, uh, about God, about His strength. And then one last thing that I'll leave until we get there. But let's start with the idea of the battle we're fighting. We talked a little bit about this last week. Let's turn to Ephesians 6. And let's read beginning in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 beginning in verse 10. Talking about the battle that we're fighting against Satan. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There's our enemy. There's his schemes. And he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And so there's not a, a weapon you could use, a, a sword or a gun that's big enough to fight the devil. It's not flesh and blood, he says, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. In the heavenly places. And so this battle is a spiritual one that takes place in spiritual places against spiritual things. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to look with me at about verse 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. Paul says, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. And so he's looking at a, at a set of games like the Olympics. You know, you think about the Olympics today. And those, those Olympians are training day in and day out 
so that they can have control over their body and be the best at whatever it is that they're doing. They're doing that, in our case, to get a gold medal around their neck. We do it to get an imperishable reward. That's spiritual. The battle we fight is spiritual. The reward we seek is spiritual. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 6, it's near the end of Paul's life and he's writing to Timothy and he has this to say to him. 2 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. That's death terminology. That means Paul is about to die. He sees it on the horizon. It's not far away. It's as though he's already on the chopping block. He says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure, that's death, has come. Now listen to what comes next. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Paul talks about this battle he's been fighting, this good fight that he's fought, the faith that he's kept, and he's about to die, and yet he looks forward into the future beyond the day of his death. And says there's still more yet to come for me. There is a reward beyond being poured out as a drink offering. There's a reward beyond my departure. That the Lord is going to give to me. And to everyone who continues in the footsteps that I walked faithfully to God. Think about Jesus. Jesus fought a spiritual battle while he was on the earth. And do you know how he won? By dying. He won the spiritual battle through His physical death. Of course, after that, after three days in the tomb, through His resurrection. But His death is what takes away the sins. This battle we're fighting is about far more than what our five senses can perceive. And it's about far more than what you feel inside. It is a spiritual battle. And if we're going to win this spiritual battle, we need to correctly define winning. Because all too often, the devil tries to misdirect us. As we walk as Christians in this life, we we start to think that winning is something other than what it really is. And defining winning correctly is what makes all the difference in whether or not you walk with God in this life or whether you just think you are. You see, the definition of winning, knowing the game you're playing, it makes all the difference. Uh, In soccer, winning is having the highest score, right? In golf, it's having the lowest score. Which game are you playing? Because it matters. If you've got 15 in soccer, that's great. If you've got 15 in golf, you're not so great. Or maybe you are and you're a lot better than me. But the idea is that the games are different, the rules are different, and winning looks very differently depending on which game you're playing. And Satan constantly tries to convince us we're playing a different game. 
He tries constantly to convince us we're fighting a different battle than the one we actually are. He wants us to focus on the physical battles that we face and forget about everything else. He wants you to focus on your career. Young people, he he grabs you with that, doesn't he? What are you going to be when you grow up? Well, focus on your career. Where are you going to go to college? Where are you going to graduate and get a job? Where are you going to live? What size house are you going to have? How are you going to retire and are you concerned about it? Oh, you're getting a physical illness. Aren't you concerned about that? You're getting sick. Focus on the death, the loss that surrounds you. And forget completely, of course, about God and what He might do with you How He might use you. Satan wants us to believe that this life is what matters most. And that if we aren't doing fill in the blank right now in this life. That we're missing out. And that we've lost our chance. We've missed our shot. There's something that uh, I I don't know what all of your thoughts are on things like the prom, but I get irritated whenever I hear uh, parents tell their kids, well, the prom is a rite of passage. You've really got to go to it. You, you're going to miss out if you don't. And if you don't, it's just the biggest deal. No, it's not. It's really not. You know what? Catherine didn't go to prom. She's not here and she doesn't mind me telling you. But uh, she didn't go to prom. You know what? She's the greatest woman alive. That's why I married her. There are some things that the devil really tries to convince you are of the greatest importance to your life and to your existence. And if it's a physical thing, if it's a thing in this world that's eventually going to pass away, you need to realize that it's not that important. What's really important is whether or not you walk with God, whether or not you're letting Him use your life, whether or not you're thinking about where you're going to be with Him, Satan constantly tries to get us to play the wrong game. To fight the wrong battles. Winning the spiritual battle means dying while remaining faithful to Christ. That's our goal. That's what winning looks like for us. Winning looks like dying while remaining faithful to Christ. All of our life should be building toward our death. Toward that moment when we finally meet God and we are found faithful and pleasing in His sight. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21, Paul said, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Famous passage on a lot of refrigerators. While we live, we live for Christ. We fight to serve Him. And the one who fights the battle to please Christ in all respects will find that death is not a moment of defeat, but is rather a moment of victory through Him. And that it is the beginning of all of the truly great things that God has to offer. To defeat Satan, we must fight the right battle. Don't let Him change your focus. Don't let Him change your goal. Don't let Him change what winning is. Spiritual victory doesn't always come with money in the bank and a house on a hill. But it does come with eternal life and a mansion in heaven in the presence of God. There's something else we need to emphasize about fighting against and defeating Satan. 
And that is that we must trust the Lord's strength to deliver us. We can't do it on our own. In Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10, the psalmist says, The Lord also will be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 37, verses 39 and 40 says, But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. These passages and many others, Ephesians 6 among them, teach us to rely on the Lord's strength rather than our own. To recognize Him as the Deliverer. And that is absolutely right. Not one of us through our own power can defeat Satan. Not a one. Only through complete reliance on the power of God are we able to win the battle against Satan. And Satan knows that. And he understands that truth. He knows that God wants to watch out for us, wants to help us. And so, Satan being the crafty enemy that he is, he's tried to distort our understanding of what relying on God looks like. Tried to change our understanding of full reliance on the power of God. There's a, an illustration that's kind of made its rounds, and I'm sure you've heard it before. The guy at the... Uh, uh, there's a flood in his town and it's coming through and sweeping everyone away. And he, he climbs up on his roof and he says, well, I'll just pray to the Lord and I'll rely on him and he will deliver me. And a cross passes a, a car before the water rises too high. And they say, I'll give you a ride out of town. He says, no, I'm waiting for the Lord. And, and here comes the boat as it rises closer to the roof. And, and he says, no, I'm waiting for the Lord. And over comes a helicopter with a ladder dropped down for him. And he says, no, I'm sorry. I'm waiting for the Lord. He'll take care of me. His strength will save me. And the guy died. And when he met God, he said, why didn't you save me? He says, well, I sent all those things for you to save you. I sent you a car. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter. And you rejected all three of them. You see, Satan would love to change our understanding of relying on God to sitting on our hands. He would love for us to think that relying on God is sitting on my hands, doing absolutely nothing, and watching the world turn around me. That's not relying on God. If you'll notice in, in those passages we read in those Psalm, uh, Psalms passages, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed in Psalm 9. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 37 verse 40 he delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. There is an active part for us in taking refuge in the Lord, in relying on His power. And sometimes we get this clouded view of what it looks like to rely on God and we expect Him to whisk us away from temptation, remove every sinful influence from our lives while we just sit on our roof and wait. And that's not going to happen. Full reliance on God's power is active on our part 
And then He will save us as we take refuge in Him. And that's where the key passage, I think, if we're looking for one passage that's going to help us to fight this spiritual battle, to keep our minds in the right place, it's James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Turn to James 4. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. James 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Submit therefore to God. You see the taking refuge in Him idea in submit therefore to God. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I want you to focus on the beginning of verse 8 first. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. If you understand that sentence, you have everything you need to win. If you understand that sentence, we established in our first lesson that God is everywhere at all times, isn't He? He's everywhere at all times. There's nowhere that we can go that He is not. You can, uh, you know, you can go to this building and you're no closer to God physically than when you were at home. You can fly in a jet at 30,000 feet. You can go in a submarine down to the deepest caverns and you're no closer to God physically than you were when you started. So draw near to God and He will draw near to you can't be a physical statement because we're already as near to God physically as we will ever be and as we ever have been. You can't get away from Him in that sense. Jonah realized that, right? You can't get away from God. And so when James writes that we ought to draw near to God, he's speaking in spiritual terms. Draw near to God spiritually. And everything around that sentence helps you to see how to do that. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. All of those are synonymous with each other and each helps us identify how we draw near to God. When we submit to His will, we draw near to Him. When we resist temptation because we recognize the spiritual pain that sin causes our Father, we are drawing near to Him. When we wash our hands of the habits that draw us into sin, we're drawing near to God. When we hate the passing pleasures of sin as God does, we are drawing near to God. And when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. And we are protected and blessed by Him through His power. And the spiritual battle is won because we are close to our Father. The spiritual battle is won when we live close to God. I want you to turn in your songbooks to a song number 391. We're not going to sing it. Partially because I don't think I could get the notes out at the moment. But I want you to look at it and I want to read the words with you. Song number 391. The title is, Let Me Live Close to Thee. 
And as we think about how to fight against Satan, about fighting the right battles, understanding what winning really looks like and how to live close to God so that His power will win our battles for us, the words written in this song help. Verse 1 begins, In thy field I would wield sickles brave and true. In the fight for the right I would dare and do. Spend my days in thy praise all the journey through. Let me live close to thee each day. Not the crown nor renown that the world might see. I would work, never shirk, blessed Lord for thee. But to know where I go that my soul is free. Let me live close to thee each day. Help me bear and to share some poor pilgrim's load. Be my friend to the end of the toilsome road. I would sing to my king in the soul's abode. Let me live close to thee each day. Let me live close to thee. Guide me all along the rugged way. Let me live close to thee. Let me walk and talk with thee, dear Lord, each day. That song epitomizes this lesson. It is the battle that we fight. It is what winning looks like. And it is how to fight. It's with that mindset that we will fight the right battle. We'll find victory through the power of God. Working for Him every day. Seeking the souls that are ripe for the harvest. Caring not for the accolades and passing glory of this world. But rather helping others to walk with God until we pass from this life. Seeking only to find a home with God. Where we can continue to walk and talk with Him each and every day. That's the way we win. That's the battle we're fighting. And if our decisions are made based on those goals, we will continually draw near to God and resist Satan. And Satan will be forced to flee from us because we will be so near to our God and Father. Are you fighting the right battle today? Are you fighting the right battle today? Are you trusting in the Lord's power to deliver you? By drawing near to Him and obeying His will today. If you're a Christian who's been fighting the wrong battles. Failing to focus in the right direction. You can draw near to God once again. And He will draw near to you. His power will aid you in the battle against Satan once again. And if you've never become a Christian. But you understand the teaching of the gospel. And you're ready to repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord. And be baptized in His name for the forgiveness of your sins. Then we will help you in that pursuit. So that you can draw near to God. And find salvation and eternal life for your soul through His power. Whatever your need is this morning. We ask that you please make it known by coming forward as we stand and sing.